Hey, Sam. Hey, Teresa. What's up? Um, it's been a really spacey week for me. I've just been forgetting pretty much everything. How about you? Um, yeah, I feel like this week I've or this month I've kind of been on a bender because like all my friends are like graduating, like end of the year. So all these past few weeks have just been blurring together. But now I'm back home and I feel like I'm feeling restorative, hang out with my family. Mm-hmm. Shout out Tazi for getting promoted to being a full professor at the University of Chicago today. Yeah, great, great man. Great doctor. Um, please hit him up for all of your needs. <laughs> I'm happy you're feeling like very together um, because right now in life I have one responsibility which is to go to my singular class for an hour each day and I completely forgot yesterday the one thing I had to do all day I woke up and said I have nothing to do today I'm going to go hang out and didn't remember until 8 p.m so <laughs> that's kind of how my life has been going <laughs> This this segment really makes Sam sound like a degenerate. And for the first time, I will confirm that he is not. But that really <laughs> does make you sound like someone who just doesn't go to class. <laughs> just uh, why I feel like when I have a lot of responsibility, like I'm like, all right, I have to take care of this. But when there's one thing, yeah. It just goes out <laughs> but anyways, today um, we are really excited because we will be interviewing the group Black Rave Culture over a glass of Thai iced tea. Great, let's get into it. So for today's drink, um, we have chosen a Thai tea. I guess it's called Thai tea or Thai iced tea. Um, And a Thai iced tea is, um, I feel like you either love it or you hate it. Because it's like a very, very specific taste. And also it's really sweet. Um, Like just naturally. Throwing back to when I worked at a boba shop. um, (laughs) The Thai iced tea was like the one drink where like we would recommend that you don't add any sugar to it because it's so sweet. But honestly, as someone who hates sweet things, I really like the Thai iced tea because I also really like the taste of like sweetened condensed milk. And um, also it's really pretty when you pour in the condensed milk into the Thai iced tea because it's like orange and they like blend together. Um, so yeah, I support the Thai iced tea um, even though I usually hate on sweet drinks. What about you, Sam? It's funny you say you either love it or hate it because I actually feel pretty neutral about Thai iced tea. <laughs> um, it's definitely one of those that's great during the summer. Um, but I don't think I'm ever like, I, I need a Thai ice now. But if I'm a restu- at a restaurant that has them, especially a Thai restaurant, I usually will get one with my meal. But um, it, it's like, yeah, I agree. It has a unique taste. But to me, it's, it doesn't like push me in one way or the other. I'm just kind of like, it's cool when it's there. <laughs> kind of like water. I feel like you always be comparing shit to water. Like, I don't know why you do that. Well, anyways, moving on to today's interview. We are super excited to be interviewing Black Rave Culture. 
Um, for those of you who don't know, Black Rave Culture is a DC-based group, which is composed of Amal, James Mangura, and DJ Native Son. Um, they're an incredible group that blends together so many different melodies and beats, both on their drum, their bass, <clears throat> as well as just um, the way that the group works together. Um, and their newest project, also titled Black Rave Culture, dropped on May 12th. And we're super excited to just ask them about their collaboration, um, I, how they were working during quarantine, um, as well as um, their different production styles. For sure. We're super excited to get into it with them. And if you haven't checked them out, um, this is the type of music that'll like really just send you down a rabbit hole, exploring all different types of music, exploring history, um, just a really great album. Also, this project was released on the label House of Alter, um, which is a label that releases incredible black electronic music. Um, and you should definitely get up on all of their projects. They're doing incredible work. All right, Teresa, should we call them up now? Yeah, let's call them up right now. Hello? Yeah, it was good. Hello. Yo. Thank y'all so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. And thank y'all for all coordinating your schedule. I know y'all are super busy. Me and Teresa, we're both from Chicago. And so we grew up knowing uh, the Black history of house music, but not necessarily the Black history of other genres of music. How did you guys um, find all of these genres of music? And how did you find like Blackness in rave in general? Um, I, I mean, I'll start it off. Um, for me, so my mom was a DJ. She was a radio DJ in New York for years. Um, and she first introduced me to house music when I was like 11. Um, and I really didn't even really think about like dance music at that young of an age. Like the stuff I was, I was listening to like a lot of hip hop and I was listening to rock music to be real. Um, I didn't really discover other genres of like dance music until like probably like 2002. I was like 14, 15. And like the first like CD that I found was the DJ Craze like Jungle Mix. And that was like the first time I had ever heard like Jungle or Drum and Bass and I really didn't know anything about it. And I remember for me, I was just like constantly listening to that. I'd be walking to school and like listening to that. And then around 2003, 2004 is when I really got like, no, I won't even say 2003, I'll say 2000, like around 2002, same time, like we got like a home computer. And that like at the time that was when Kazaa and LimeWire and Napster were still a thing. So I just kind of like started doing my own research. Like there was a magazine that was in rotation way back in the day called Herb Magazine, which was kind of like, it was like today's fader. And I would just like go in the back of the magazine and look into, look at the genres and just look these cats up on like Kazaa and LimeWire. And it was really just raw curiosity. That's really what it was for me. Same, kind of like us. I got like the same kind of background. My, I grew up in a family musicians like my my dad was a dj my mom sang in the choir my sister played the piano my brother was in a band i was in a band in dc you know what i'm saying we have a genre called go-go which is like live instrumentation and shit and uh, i was in a go-go band and 
<clears throat> like go-go go-go music and the atmosphere and the culture behind go-go music is literally it's literally what a rave is basically in its own way its own sense and so you know what i mean like i used to i used to grow up just going to go-go's and just like being a part of that culture and just seeing like how raw the energy was like i always was like drawn to that you know what i mean it was it was kind of dangerous the go-go's were dangerous back in the day because of like neighborhood territory beef but like you went to a go-go party man and it was just like the ultimate let go you know what i mean and so um that was like my first introduction to like really like venturing out and finding like music on my own but then my dad like i said my dad was a dj my brother was into music so like my dad was playing like all types of stuff and he had house records and so you know i always used to make fun of it i'd be like dad what's that mm, 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 mm. <laughs> i was like what is that you know what I mean? i'm just like i always used to clown him for playing it and then like as i got older i was like damn this shit is actually kind of wavy you know what i mean like this is this is like some soulful he used to play like a lot of soulful house chicago house stuff and you know what i mean and i would be like damn i used to always yell in the other room like yo dad what's this what's this right here oh okay all right bet so um you know that's really kind of like how i got into it and then like like tim said you know as i got older you know i had other means of like like the internet, you know what I mean? Like I had LimeWire too. I was doing the exact same thing. I was like looking up all this music that I never heard of before, especially all the stuff coming out of London, like like jungle, drum and bass and stuff like that. And, you know, I was just diving deep into it, like dubstep. I mean, when all the dubstep stuff was coming out, I was like, yo, what is this? You know, so pretty much the same story for me. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess for myself, I'm I'm a, I'm a bit younger, so for me it was really through the um through the internet, um through early YouTube and stuff. Like when I was in like eighth grade, seventh grade, I was just looking up like a lot of low end theory stuff, a lot of like uh more like on the electronic side of like ambient electronic side, like no such thing and like um Apex Twin or like Flying Lotus. And through that, I find a lot of the older drum and bass stuff um and you know i mean like most kids my age too like we all heard it like on like tsunami like the powerpuff girls shit like obviously but i didn't really or like playstation 2 games like it was always like like subconsciously in my head of like especially being a drummer it was like always there and i always understood like i never knew that could put the words to it until i really got on youtube got on the internet um but yeah i mean through that through like playing in hardcore bands and stuff like there was always a bit of that influence and stuff, but I won't say I've really started like really diving into a lot of the more deeper cuts until I got on YouTube and stuff, you know, but yeah. Yeah, I guess even hearing you guys speak about like your different like influences, like it's very clear that you all work with like such different styles and like on like the album, you can definitely hear them pulling at each other a little, like, we heard like on the song like funky dub we thought there was like some tension between like the bass and the synths and some of the drum programming um which we loved um but as um you know collaborators how do you guys reconcile with your stylistic differences i'm gonna jump on this one because i feel like we we all just kind of balance each other out i don't think there's ever a point where we think about it too much to the point where we're thinking of our like different styles i think because we spend so much time together just like putting each other on the music we just kind of like if there's a vibe we kind of just jump on it and we'll literally like all sit down 
together. Um, I mean, for a big, a big part of the tracks, we're just sitting down and just like, we'll switch between the chair, the production chair, and someone will sit and then add their parts and be like, okay, cool, let me jump off of that. And then that's how we kind of like form these songs for the most part. So I don't think we ever like clash or any ways. I think we just like go off each other's vibe. And I think that challenges each other to like try something completely new outside of our own, you know, realm of like how we would make music. Definitely. And kind of a related question to that. So uh, the songs Africa 808 and Columbia Road are the ones that are the only ones that credit all three of you guys. And I was wondering when you have three people working on a track, especially a track like Columbia Road, um, like how do you know when it's done? Because I feel like there'd always be people wanting to like add like something, <laughs> you know? No, I mean, I, I, I think like with those tracks, We've never had like a situation where we're like, oh, something's like not done. I think we like we all. It's it's rare when you're in these situations, like because like you asked that question was like, hey, like how 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 do you balance that? This is a rare situation with all of us, all three of us. Like we vibe so well together that like we'll all be like, yo, it's 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 done, you know? Like it's never anything. We've never had a situation where it's like all oh, like. Maybe we could do this. Maybe we could do that. You know, we just like kind of like what Amal was saying. Like we we just go back and forth. It was it's literally like working out to us in a way. It's like we go in. We're like, yo, let's get let's let's get it going, and then we'll just go from there. And then by the time we get to a certain point, we're all we're all like almost thinking like, yo, this is done. But yeah, um, you know, it's funny because it's like. Like you said, it's it's just really natural with us, yo. Like we'll just we'll just be like, yo, I want you to hear this track I was working on. Next thing you know, it's like, yo, hop on this joint. <laughs> it's just and it just it happens like that. Cause literally Columbia Road, yo, like Amal and Tim had basically like did most of that track. And then like I came in and I was like, and they were like, yo, hop on this joint. And then like I hopped on and like, yo, I was just fucking around with some stuff, and then it just it just happened, you know? And so like our process is like really, like you said, like it's a real natural process. It, we just vibe, you know? No pressure, no nothing. I just wanna say another big thing too that I think that plays a big part of into it is that we all DJ together and practice together. And that helps like kind of understand each other's points of view. I think because we have that chemistry from spinning together, I think it makes it easier for us to like make those tracks. Cause it's like, especially Chris. Chris adds the point of like, he has the most experience as a DJ out of all of us. So he, I feel like subconsciously almost like is thinking of the set, like how it's going to play out in the set before the track's even done. And so I think those kind of things like help us like just make no one is done. Like we'll, we'll just like sit there and, you know, once it's fucking like sequenced or whatever, we'll just be like, okay, yeah. And like, I kind of looked to Chris for the nod of like, yeah, this I could play this out. And if Chris can play it out, then it's like, it's done. Yeah. And like kind of going off of that. So how do you guys like think about genre? Because there are so many moments on this album where like obviously traditional genre barriers break down. Um, specifically, we feel like songs like Trips to London, it sounds like super ravey and drum and bass, but also there's some footwork and also some like DC influence. So when you start a song, do you have a genre starting point in mind or does it just like flow? 
I feel like honestly, yo, like it depends on the day. We just pick a genre. We'd be like, yo, let's make some 120, let's make some 160. Uh, you know, like <laughs> when we did trips to London, yo, we actually started, it started like off as this jersey kick. And then like I think, I think Amal was showing Tim like how to do like the uh how to slide the base, how to do like the the joint. And then so I was like, yo, I was like, yo, let's combine the two. Let's combine like this drill with the jersey, with the with the one six, you know, we were just like, yo, let's let's get creative, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just, yo, it was natural. It was just like, yo, we just he was like, all right, fuck it, let's just try this. <laughs> that, like that's the biggest shit. That's the biggest thing, too, is like none of us are afraid to get weird with stuff. Like we like it's never it's never something to where we're like, nah, this won't work. It's always like, let's do it. If the idea is there, just act on it. And we all, we all, we all like think that way. Like, like, shoot, like, you know, native, we like, we've been talking about like for the next, the next like volume of like BRC, like doing like, I'm a piano track and like doing more funky, like, like UK funky tracks and stuff like that. But like, take, like do our own take of it. What is it, what does it sound like from like a US perspective, like a North American perspective for these genres? Yeah. That totally makes sense. Um, And I think even beyond all the music on this album, it seems like there's this message about like spreading Black Rave in general. And you guys say on the band's camp um, description that this project is about spreading that message. Um, And I was wondering, what is the message of Black Rave that you guys are specifically trying to spread? And why, why does it matter to you guys to spread that? Um, when, I, when this all first started, it was more so just three homies getting together in a weird time. Like I met, because we really haven't known each other that long, to be quite honest. Like I met them all like at the end of like 2019, 2020. And I had known Native over like you know soundcloud and just the internet and we had talked before but we had never really kicked it like we were kicking it like as of now and it was more so like us just getting together i feel like at least for me like finding a level of solace because we got to look at like a lot of things that happened in the past year like with you know the george floyd incident um covid all these things were weighing on us and that's i don't think the conversation was happening at the time of like what does it feel like, you know, as black bodies in America right now, you know? And then as we started making more tracks together, we like, I feel like we all came to the realization that there's a level of responsibility with this because, you know, like we all come from like music backgrounds and with electronic music over the last few decades, cause I like, I would, when I lived in California for a while I was a club promoter, I didn't see a lot of black people in the in the clubs, like at least in like dance clubs. And there wasn't a lot of education behind it. Now we're seeing like our our generation, we're reaching back and trying to educate ourselves. And when it comes down to like the concept of like black rave, it's more so about making sure like making sure that we like preserve this aspect of our culture. You know, because if that certain things hadn't happened, we would not be having these sort of conversations. I feel like the industry would have continued to sit on its laurels and 
not really give it a second thought about booking black electronic artists. Like, I, f I feel like there was a, um, an article with Kevin Saunderson on it where, like, he got asked to play a gig where he was headlining and they were like, oh, five grand for this. And he was like, okay. But then come to find out later on, the dude that was in the side room was getting paid 15. That wasn't even headlining, you know? And it's, it, it's about, it's about that. It's so many levels to this. Um, yeah. I mean, but that's, that's just my take, you know? And, and jumping off of Tim's point too, a big part of pushing the black rave narrative is that we're, we're we're just showing representation and showing that you can like this kind of music, not let alone make it. You can just like it. You can listen to it and be a black kid. I think that's something that we all push, like not just us, just House of Officer, just the whole East Coast of the vanguard of, of, of dance music that's coming up now is like we're all kids that you know, most of us grew up on hip hop. Most of us grew up around people that weren't listening to that. And if they were, you know, it was a rare case. And, and you know, I think we all share experiences of like being made fun of, like at least I did for sure of like, cause I come from like trap music. I come from like that kind of side of things. And so I would always get made fun of for listening to that kind of music or it's like, oh, like he's listening to his little EDM shit. Like, you know, like stuff like that. And so I think, a big part of it is just showing that there's a community of people out there. There's a, there's, there's a, there's a space for all that, for you to like that, to like weirder music that maybe doesn't have lyrics or maybe does, or just like stuff that like pushes you to understand it a bit more. And it's okay to like that kind of stuff. And it's okay to want to go to a rave. It's okay to like, want to be into that. And I think there's a new generation of kids now that I'm seeing that are, accepting that and really like embracing all that stuff. Cause at the end of the day, a lot of people don't even know that half of this music is black music unless their families told them that, you know, there's so many people that I've just through my experience of going through all this have introduced them to what it originally was and where it all comes from. I mean, the best example is like, I was with one of my friends who I make drum and bass music and he just raps over it, but he didn't even know like the origin of like drum, drum and bass and jungle. And I showed him like, like shy effects yesterday and like stuff that like was originally the start of it and it blew his mind. We've been making drum and bass for a year and he didn't even know that that's where it comes from. It comes from the islands, it comes from Africa, it comes from that influence and stuff like that. So that's, I think the biggest reason why we do it and why we push that. Yeah, facts. And um, like, like both of them say, you know, um, it's also to just community, you know, building community, building those spaces, creating those spaces for younger cats, for, for people that want to hear this music, for people that want to, you know, create this music and stuff like that. So, you know, that's, that's really what, I mean, they both hit it on the head, but I just want to say that. <laughs> yeah. And you guys brought up House of Alter. Could you, I know that you issued or you released the record on their label, right? Um, uh, what does House of Alter mean for you? And I know they've been making like major moves in the last year. So how does it feel to see like this label really growing and taking hold? Oh man, it's 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 amazing because I can I can only test it myself. I've been in this probably the least longest out of the three of us. And if it wasn't for House of Alter, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. I wouldn't have any sort of knowledge of like what this is and, and this community. I wouldn't have like they opened me up to this world 
of dance music and other people that look like me doing dance music. In DC, you don't see that a lot. In DC, a lot of these promoters are pushing, you know, the white bro tech house students or whatever, that kind of stuff. And so for me, I saw Ace come down and play a rooftop set at like in like 2019. And before that, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what House of Walter was, but I saw him play. And at that moment, that's where I decided I wanted to be a part of that. And so like, that's how deep House of Walter runs. And it's like, if Ace did that to me and they opened and they accepted me with open arms and just helped me flourish and make music, if I can do that to someone else, you know, then we got to keep pushing that. Like we got to keep pushing House of Walter. We got to keep pushing that narrative because you know, that's only been two years I've been in this. What if I inspire some kid to do the same thing? Who knows what's going to happen in five years, 10 years, you know? Yeah, for, for yeah. me, they, they're big on, like, bridging the gaps, you know? Like, the compilations were, were like, crazy because, you know, they were, they were pulling from everywhere, you know, just from everybody from every different side of town, you know? And that really, I feel like, shook the game up because, you know, people saw, like, yo, all these people were on this comp together, like, you know, it was kind of like a powerhouse type move. And, um, yo, they just, they're, they're just setting the tone for like what we were just talking about, you know, just like really like presenting something that, that lets people know like, yo, like this is what it is. This is how we're moving. And, and this is what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're pushing the narrative. We're pushing our culture forward. We know our history, you know what I'm saying? We want y'all to understand like, we coming for y'all, you know what I mean? Like, we want y'all to hear this, you know what I'm saying? We got something to say, you know? And I feel like they're at the forefront of it, you know? So, respect to them. And also, you gotta remember, too, like, House of Altered, like, even my label, Percussion Functions, the homie Ace Man Wells, like, you know, his label as well, like, like that records. This is all in response to, like, the industry excluding us. Like, Back in the day, there used to be this forum called Strictly Lo-Fi, like myself, like Momo Reddy, Tim, Slim Shug, we all used to be in the, in this forum, but it was like, I don't know, just mad white dudes that were just making like the shit that we were already making anyway. And there's a lot of it is in response to that, you know, like, hey, like, you're not letting me be a part, so I am forced to make my own shit. And then when people will end up asking, like, damn, like, how are they making these moves? It's because that confidence was built up. And that was, like, the biggest thing that, like, inspired me about House of Alter is, like, it built in a, a lot of confidence for us. You know, especially when we did that comp, it was crazy to see the response to that. And even now, it's crazy to see the response of people from Black rave culture. Like, I shared a, a message with Native and Amal like just recently where this young black kid in Georgia like messaged me and was like, what is black rave culture and how can I be a part of it? Just that in itself shows that we're, we're like, we're, it's working. Like these young kids are noticing and that's a big responsibility in itself, you know, that gives them the confidence to go on, out on their own and to do their own thing and not worry about everybody else. Yeah. And kind of like going off there, going off that, like what, what do you think the best way is to like educate young people about, you know, the black history of these genres in the industry and music? Do you think that this education is most effective coming through your music or do you think there are other efforts to more actively teach people about this? 
Yo, so I'm gonna I'm a definitely say this because I'm a teacher. So like, yo, just sharing that knowledge at, at that early age, you know what I mean? Like, because I see how kids soak up stuff and, you know, like I'm in these schools and I see these music programs and they're just learning about like, you know, basic music, you know what I'm saying? Basic music history. They're like learning about Mozart and all that shit. So like when I get the chance, you know, like I get to show them like, look, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, we were doing this. We were doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like this song stems from this song, you know, like showing them like samples and histories and like breaks. And like, I was talking to this kid about breaks the other day, you know, I was showing him like drum breaks and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just, I really just start, I really think it just starts with like educating, like, you know, saying like whoever's in your circle are just sharing that information. You know what I mean? Like, like how we talk, you know, like how we talk in when we were over at Tim's house, you know what I mean? Like when, um, when we're showing you, when we're showing them all about like uh, the nice slug homies and like, you know what I'm saying? Like just, you know, just different stuff. You know what I mean? Cause I remember me and Tim were talking about how we used to dig on SoundCloud and we used to just share music. You know what I mean? I think that's another thing as well. You know, like you run into these cats that don't want to share music. You know what I mean? I'm like, yo, this music is out here to be shared. You know what I'm saying? To be played for people to be heard. You know what I'm saying? For, for shit to be heard. So, you know, it's just, it's all about sharing music and education for me, you know, and really, really giving back to like the younger homies, you know what I mean? Because like, they're always up next, you know what I mean? Like I, I run into like a lot of DJs and a lot of producers that want to like, you know what I'm saying? Like be stingy with their shit. And I'm just like, nah, it's, you, you're not helping the game. You know what I'm saying? You're not helping at all. <laughs> yeah. I a hundred percent agree with, with native on that. It really is about that conversation. Like the music, does its job and it, does, it has its place but it's really about these conversations like with anything be it like how to produce how to uh, promote your work how to like reach out to labels how to develop your own label these conversations weren't happening that often they're happening now and they're happening even more and that's really what it is is like just having these conversations i'm the type of person i think all of us are like this if someone asks us a question, we're going to answer it to our best of our ability. You know, it's not going to be this thing where we're like holding on to stuff because that literally in itself is just gatekeeping. That happens so much in this community, like in the dance community. And we got to rewrite that narrative. Like, because if you do that, you're literally just destroying yourself. It's eating itself up because you're going to get old one day and you ain't going to be able to do this shit. Like I could lose my hearing tomorrow. You know, but as long as I hand that knowledge off and to give somebody else the ability to create and express themselves, like that's a win for me, you know? Yeah. And on a on a bit of a lighter note, um, I know clubs are starting to open back up and stuff starting to open back up. What are y'all most excited to play off this album uh this summer? I'm excited to play the whole thing. <laughs> Keep it a stack, I'm not gonna lie. Um, yeah, I think I, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, like my favorite still is 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 um trips to London just because again, that was like the most experimental we got, I feel like, as far as like blending genres. I mean, I it, it's the perfect example of what the black grape culture dynamic is of like me coming in bringing in the drill. And because I make a ton of drill beats already, it was cool to like put, you know, the jersey quote to that. And so like that's perfect and that's like the fun part of it but i i'm, I'm not gonna lie i'm excited to play all of it to be honest 
Yeah, same. I because I, I don't know where to start. It depends on the gig, yo. Like I'll just throw something on, and then next thing you know, it's just like, oh, hold on, wait a minute. I'm playing each song back to back, like even on radio. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm just excited to play it out, you know. So same for me, yo. But like, I think my favorite one is actually the one that I'm not even on. It's the one that uh, um, Tim and Amal did the formatic joint, the soulful joint. Because I love, I love. I do a lot of radio, so I love opening up with that track. It just sets the tone, you know what I'm saying? It sets the mood. Man, I think my favorite track, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a close between Trips to London and Cool It. They're just both just crazy tracks. They're both crazy. You know, like the energy is just like so high, but it's like so precise. But yeah, probably I'd probably say Cool It. Cool It, that's, that's it, crazy. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and are y'all gonna be performing this summer? Can people catch you out places, or um, is it still a little while longer? Nah. So I think uh, like we getting hit up for some gigs. You know, like uh, Juneteenth, we got some stuff coming up. Juneteenth, we are not confirmed all the way yet, but we've been getting hit up, and you know, we just we're just trying to like slowly but surely like get into like the the swing of just like performing and like doing gigs and. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about, we were talking about trying to get out to London. We were talking about, you know, setting up a tour, you know? And so, you know, we're all, cause it's, it's weird because like, we're all like in different like scenes just about, but then we're all in the same scene. So like, you know, we all have like different people that we don't know hitting us up and shit. So, you know, we just working it out. So um, I guess that one of our final questions is what, do you want people to take away from this project either listening by themselves or like live at a show I guess like individually what what do you want people to take away what do you want people to take away I think that you can you can bend genres and you can pull from what you want and you can make what you want and you can be unapologetic about it and it can work as long as you're putting your all into it. And as long as you're being as genuine with yourself as you can with production, don't conform to one thing. Don't feel like you have to make what people want to hear, make what you want to hear. Cause all we did was just make what we wanted to hear. Yeah. I want people to just to go against the grain, yo. you know what I mean? Like black rave culture, you know what I'm saying? Like blackness has always been a thing that's been challenged, you know what I'm saying? And it's always like prevails in a way to me. You know, so it's just all about like just overcoming your fears and just like really just 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 creating, getting this shit out. You know what I mean? Because me as a uh, as a DJ, you know, production was still kind of a new thing for me. You know what I'm saying? And these brothers pushed me to like really come out of my shell. So you know what I mean? It's just just really just coming out of my shell and just creating, yo. Know? Like that's what I want people to do. I want people to just be inspired, you know, by what we've created. And you know what I'm saying, and, and do what they want with it. You know what I mean? I think I think for me, I I really just wanted us to connect the dots. Like it started with us, and I wanted to end with us. Like we, I could go on Bandcamp, and I could go on Beatport, and I could find mad producers and DJs from Europe. So I know what Europe sounds like. It was kind of like, for me, this was like a kind of sending out a reminder to the world, like, this is what Black dance music in America sounds like right now. This is what this is right now. Hear us. 
that was really what it was for me. Like, I need y'all to hear us because we, like, we, like, now we were, like, almost becoming, like, this, uh, this voice almost in a way where we're, like, yo, this, like, we, we're speaking right now. This is what this is. Black rave culture is this thing, you know? That was what it was for me. It was, it was it, it started off as a place for us all to get together and like be around and being around these cats is like, I hadn't, I've never experienced like anything like this before. And I tell them every day, like, yo, like I'm thankful that I met y'all and I had the opportunity to do this with you. You know, we see a lot of division in the black community. A lot of times this was time for us to really get together and break bread in a creative way. And that needs to happen more often. So that that's what it was for me. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, everything you guys said, it's going to leave me thinking for a while. And I mean, this project is just incredible and like definitely really hit me and just all the work that you guys are doing with House of Altar and all that. Um, and thank you guys so much for coming on and speaking so honestly about it all. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Two Virgins. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Black Rave Culture and check out their newest album, Black Rave Culture, on Bandcamp. You can find this episode on our website, quarantinecontent.com, or on our weekly newsletter, The Q. See you next week.